You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Preachers don't draw what they want. They draw what they are. I've always wanted all millionaires. <laughs> they had no family problems. <laughs> Marriages are great. Children are great. And they all tied. But that's not what I got. In fact, I never got any of those. But you draw what you are which means y'all a bunch of crazy people because I've been watching y'all. But anyway, always have fun. Please have fun in church. If you don't have fun in church, where are you having fun? Enjoy yourself. Laugh a little bit. Some of you need to laugh. Some of you need to learn how to laugh. If you know what we thought about you, you, anyway, you, you take yourself far too serious. We don't take you half as serious as you take yourself. But anyway, thank you so much. I love the Che family. How much... How old were they when they when y'all came to church? Three. Who? He, just born. Wow. If you'd let me spank them, I, they'd have turned out better, I promise you. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. Um, permission. <laughs> You know, I, he said something that's interesting, and Kim can tell you, we've been getting this lately, and I, I don't know, I never got it before, but um, we were, uh, I don't know, go through the thing I was preaching down south, Mississippi, and then by the time we get back, I couldn't get me back to Iowa. She was in Iowa waiting on me. She dropped me off, and I flew in Mississippi, preached, and then uh, just a trip from hell is what I call it, get back. So I end up in Chicago. But anyway, we, we, um, we ended up, uh, being invited, maybe was it Christmas time when we went to Caledon? Was it Thanksgiving? Christmas, I guess. No, Thanksgiving. Wife, why don't you remember for me? <laughs> huh? Holiday. It was holiday. The holidays. <laughs> and uh, it was it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving because it was hunting season. Amen. Oh. So anyway, and so. Uh, but we were there, and we got stuck there, and so we didn't make it back to the farm. She wanted to spend a little time with her father, so we got invited to the man, my sister's house, and they bought a new house, and we were there. And her mother was there, Miss Kavanaugh's mother, and she looked at me and said, if it were not for the decisions you made to get saved and then get called to preach and then go to the troublesome waters, the um, the uncomfortable place to stay in up north instead of coming down south and had every opportunity to come. She said all of this would not have taken place. It's a wonderful thing, and for that day that I stepped down the hand, the keys to Brother Kavanaugh, that was, uh, I, I preached in, in, on the East Coast years ago when he was a kid, and his parents came and shook my hand and wanted to know a little bit about the college. Then a bunch of those Kavanaugh's came. I don't know how many... The Kavanaugh's kids came to Providence Baptist College and doing wonderful. But um, 
it, it said, you know, it just, and we trained him at Providence, and he went off, and then we came back, and I kind of mentored him, but handed him the keys to over $40 million. We had to reproduce everything, $40 million worth of properties and buildings debt-free. I mean, that's, that's an accomplishment there for God's people. That's God's people. Not one millionaire in our church ever wrote a big, a big paycheck. Not one big paycheck ever came in. It was done by people just like you who just all did and pulled the, load, the, the, the weight and the load, and it was accomplished. And it can be done. It can be done in this generation. I want to thank you, preacher, for the wonderful room and the accommodations and the excellent food. Thank you all that stood. Just everything has been wonderful. And um, welcome, good, welcome, friendly membership. Thank you so very much. Well, I always feel welcome I come. And, uh, of course, uh, hasn't the rain been a blessing? You know, I've, I've been in a long time, and I've seen a lot of groups, and, and um, a lot of them are chameleons. They will sing to the group they're, where they're at. In other words, uh, if they're in, with a contemporary group, they get that contemporary thing going. And if they're with a conservative group, they'll, they'll, I don't believe the range are like that at all. I believe what you're hearing is what you get, you know, what you see is what you get, and uh, it's good music. And uh, our music is the first thing to ever go in a church, and then the message will go, and then the morals will go. You keep your music straight, always keep your music right, and God will bless it in a good way. And so I uh, thank you for everything that you have done for us. But there's one thing I know that Southern boys never move north to retire. <laughs> Am I right about that? And it's very seldom does a Yankee boy ever come down south to pastor, right? As a rule, they cut him up with crawfish bait. But, I mean, for, for, for your pastor to be here is as, as, as unusual as me staying up yonder. But uh, there's some things, I don't know if I, did I ever read these things that a southern boy would never say? Did I ever do that here? When I retire, I'm moving up north. How about this? A southern boy would never say, I'll take Shakespeare for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> he, he don't even know who Shakespeare is, but <laughs> he'll never say duct tape won't fix that. <laughs> we don't keep firearms in this here house. <laughs> you can't feed that to that dog. Am I right about that? We feed everything to dogs down here. That's what makes them hunt good. But don't you dare have a lap dog. God help you if you have a lap dog. You know what a lap dog is? A long homosexual cat. That's all he is. That's all he is. Why would you have a lap dog? If you don't hunt, ain't worse thinking feeding. Don't feed that thing. Please don't do that. Um, this car is too old and unsafe to drive. Wrestling is fake. We're vegetarians. <laughs> Do you think my gut's too big? <laughs> Honey, we don't need another dog. Uh, I'll close with that. I got a bunch of them, but uh, who, who gives a care who won the Civil War? <laughs> Never hear a Southern boy say that, right? And the reason we lost is because they had guns. And we had corn cobs, and we ran out of corn cobs, bless God, and they won, right? Anyway. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles, please. Ephesians chapter 4, I so enjoyed myself. We're headed uh, 
for a little while to, and just in a little while headed back up, uh, going to Dallas and then to Topeka and then to the farm. And Kim and I looked for shed antlers. We, this time of year, we kind of do that. It's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. Any hunters here? Any hunters here? Y'all ever look for shed antlers? Isn't that fun? Shed antlers. When the deer shed their antlers, you, you go, you go find the sheds. Now, my brother here raised his hand, which means he's he's finding goat antlers. Because in in Texas, you got little bitty goats. <laughs> go from Oklahoma, yeah, Oklahoma. Oh, oh. That's a that's a that's a sleeper state. You got pretty good deer there. But uh, yeah, shed antlers. So we it's like an Easter egg hunt, and and when you find them, you just like go crazy over, right? We got a whole stack of them in our place. But I'd rather find them on his head and kill him. But anyway, <laughs> so anyhow. By the way, I got a couple guys thinking about going to Africa. If, you, if you'd like to go to Africa, we'd love to take you there. And uh, got some of the best uh, bow hunting in the world there. And uh, got a bunch of friends that own concessions. If you have any interest, let us know, and we'll make sure that happens. It's always fun. Do a little mission work while you're there, too. But, man, it's just something about bloodletting, that, that therapeutic. I figured I'd either hunt or kill Baptist. I'm, I'm going to hunt a little while, but I don't, I don't want to go to penitentiary, right? Ephesians chapter 4, if you would, please. I want you to pick up in verse 30, if you would. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, but I want you to underline this, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Folks, I have 40 years of messages when I, the day I stepped down uh, and retired, I took uh, my staff took all of my messages uh, in, in big black spiral books and lined up all the way across that big auditorium, and it went all the way across. I don't want folks, you got to answer for what you've heard from this, these messages. And I speak in many conferences, but I don't have conference messages. I'm a pastor. I'm trying to help each individual here. Are y'all with me now? Because a lot of preachers got conference messages, got their, little, their candy sticks, and they all work, and they're great. I'm trying to help you. And what I'm going to preach on tonight is putting away bitterness. The truth of the matter is many of us in this room, we don't, some that are bitter don't think they are. But you're dealing with some stuff. And until you admit that you lack, you're never going to get it right. There's not a soul in this room that will ever admit that we're needy in some areas. Those that are overweight never see themselves as they really are. I see myself as skinny as a Che boys, but the mirror tells me different. If you just get honest with yourself, the mirror will tell you different. That's like the labor in the Old Testament. That book will encourage you or discourage you. It'll correct you if you allow it. And if you heed it when it's preached, it'll help you. Bitterness, it'll happen. It happens in families, homes, children. I've done it and pastored for 40 years. I've watched it destroy people. Put it, put it away. Just put it away. Because we're all going to be dealing with a mess. And as long as you breathe, somebody's going to wrong you. And when they wrong you, you've got to deal with it immediately. 
If you let that thing fester, you're going to be in trouble. Father, help us tonight. We thank you for this church, the spirit of this church. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Che, and you send him here to these wonderful folks. And I pray tonight, Lord, you'd speak to hearts and change lives. And dear Lord, have everyone here to understand if they're not dealing and have dealt with this, they will one day because it'll enter, it'll come in. The Bible says, and when it enters in, it'll spring up and, and it'll flow over and defile many. And Lord, we, we, we don't want that for our, 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 our spouses. We don't want that for our children. We don't want that for our church. The very idea of seeing where some churches split and just have vicious fights, that's amazing. But it's all because of bitterness. Families splitting up. Marriages busting up. Children absolutely getting bitter and leaving the will of God. It, it happens and because of this matter of bitterness. Have us to heed the scriptures and what it says here in Ephesians chapter 4. Bless, I pray, in power tonight in Jesus' name. And amen. You may be seated. God forgave us for everything that we've ever done. And I want you to look at the last part of verse 32, if you would please, that we're to forgive one another for God's, for Christ's sake. Look at what it says, one another, even as God for Christ's sake. So the truth of the matter is somewhere, somehow, when so, where we're wronged, we're going to have to, for Christ's sake, forgive the one that wronged us. The simple truth of the matter is many times people will wrong you and they don't even know they wronged you. You fell out with it. You can't sleep at night. You end up getting bitter because you want revenge and they're just out there having a great time because they don't even know they offended you. It happens all the time. And so we need to understand that there is a way, and I think I said something on it Sunday, about grieving the Holy Ghost of God. You do not ever want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one who convicted you, and if you've never been convicted, you have never been converted. I don't give a rip what any preacher ever says. You must be convicted of your sin before you can ever... You must admit you're lost before you can be found. So the conviction's got to be there, and the Holy Spirit of God is the one that does that. So why would you grieve Him? When my first wife died, I came to Texas. I told you about that, and I withdrew myself. Stayed hunkered down in a hunting lodge here, some roll-off boys that I taught, and I was grieving. I didn't want to. I withdrew myself from everybody. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, He withdraws Himself from you. He might be in you, but He's not active in your life because He's grieving. You've grieved Him. Don't do that. And it tells us how to grieve Him, and it tells us in those scriptures. You write this statement down. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in the jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. You got you to gotta leave that alone. Because that's what will happen. I've been in this long enough to watch good families that no one would ever feel was having problems. Their marriages have split up. I watched families that over the period of time, everybody thought that everything was copacetic with their children. Then all of a sudden, their children go off the reservation. A lot of it has to do with bitterness. No one has taken up more pages of the Scripture outside our Lord than Joseph. I'm not going to turn to the scriptures, but most of you know the story. What a wonderful type of Christ was Joseph. 
it seems like in the scriptures, nowhere can we read about any Bible character that there's something, some besmudged thing about their life, right? Am I right? But it seemed like Joseph, there was nothing you could say bad about Joseph. I studied, I, I preached a lot on Joseph in times past. He's 150, 150 particulars like Jesus, type of Jesus Christ. And, and he's also a great example of how a sinner can overcome each and every trial of suffering that he faces. Please, please hear me when I say that because it's so very important. If there's anybody in the world that needed to be bitter would be Joseph. I guess the greatest temptation was not to become bitter at all those that betrayed him. Please, please let me know. I'm not talking about enemies. I'm talking about his own brothers. And I, we discussed that, said a word or two, Brother Rain, today in the preachers. That when they found out that his dad loved him more than everybody else, they hated him. But then when he talked about the she's bound down to them, that they do obeisance to him, they hate him the more. And then it says, finally, they envied him. And then finally, they said they conspired against him. It was a progress of this bitterness setting in. And all of a sudden, those that's supposed to love him the most was absolutely hurting him the worst. This greatness that I think Joseph had is not the same that made everyone else great. I mean, he never killed a Goliath. He never wrote a book of the Bible. He never faced a lion's den like Daniel. He never performed a miracle. He was just a typical guy, listen now, from a dysfunctional home. I went to God that you could read your book and see where many times some of the Bible characters are just normal guys, just average guys, just like us, had the same struggles we have. But then you got to find out if they have the same struggles, we can make the same mistakes. However, we can have the same victory too in our Lord. So, so what made him great? I, why, did, why did God give Joseph so much attention in Holy Writ? Because when you read down through that, man, he just takes a whole lot of chapters. How could one individual take so many chapters of the Bible if it's not a very important situation? Preacher, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't know if I ever told this story here, but, you know, where you're going... Jordan. We flew in. We did a short take in Israel. And then we flew into uh, uh, Cairo there. And uh, the, the, the government there, the, the Egyptian government had assigned uh, Uzi packing special forces to protect us as we went and preached to the Muslims. And we preached at the house of them. It was amazing. And did, I don't know how many days, five, seven, I don't know. But uh, maybe more than that, maybe 10. I don't, but we ended up in Elmina, which was across where the, the people that brought the towers down, 9-11. That's where all of them dudes were from. We preached there, thousands. Uh, the the Pak and uh, security guards would, would protect us from getting killed. And uh, it's an amazing thing. And you're right about it, brother. They're hungry for the truth because they've been lied to so much. But I had one name called Abraham, and Abraham would stand next to me, and uh, he would always have his gun on his Uzi. And he'd watch the congregation, and he's like this hard-faced toughen. Somebody getting nervous right now, just me looking at you. 
<laughs> man, he had that hard look, you know. And then when he get tired, his arm would get tired, he'd just cock that hand back like that and, and show everybody he had that weapon and just stare at him. And then he'd go back to holding it like that. And he protected us. We crossed the Nile River. We, we pulled a bus. Our big, I had a bunch of my people with us. We pulled the bus up on a, a big barge and went across the Nile River. We had 21 Uzi Pack and Special Forces to make sure we just got across the river. Plus, we had the, the Jeeps. We had several, two Jeeps that followed us, all military men that would follow us. They couldn't get on a barge at the same time, so they had a boat that would escort us. Cutting edge mission stuff. It's a pretty, and I got a buddy over there I'd like to introduce you. To him. You might have known him already, but he's doing good. But it's amazing. And, and when, we, when we were doing some of the tour there, I might have said something Sunday here. I, I don't want to preach so many places, but they were doing tours. We saw the, the pyramids. We saw different things. And then we saw these big holes in the ground. And the tour guide would bring us, and we'd stand on this big rock, and there's a big hole, and just a massive, huge, hewned-out stones, I mean, in the earth, in the rock. They're bigger than this room, a lot of them, deep. And we don't know what these are here for. We have no, no, we have no explanation for this. I said, I do. They, they kind of stare at me. And I read it this morning, my devotions. When he had that vision of those seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. And they had so much corn that they gathered up so he could, so Pharaoh could end up feeding. And Joseph was the governor that ended up distributing that. Y'all know the story. I don't want to get into it too much time. But I feel personally, if you think about how much corn had to be gathered, where did they keep it? Barns? No, nobody can show us anywhere where it was kept. And there were so many of those like that all around. They said, and this was later, they said, it's, it's all over. Here, there's big places like that. We don't know what they're for. I personally believe, it's, it's my opinion, but I personally believe that um, that's where they stored the corn. That's what I believe. Since they can't explain it, I had to help him because <laughs> they don't believe the Bible, right? But I'm simply saying that, that uh, you know, why did God give him so much, so many chapters? Uh, I, I believe it's because of his, listen carefully, please, his attitude. And how he responded to difficult times. We have seen individuals, uh, when bad times come, that they just blow up. I mean, they can't even make it. They can't even live. I mean, they, they get so frustrated, they end up in hospitals. I love your baby. Even-tempered. I don't, know what, I don't know if it's mom or dad she gets that from, but she's just even-tempered. And she loves my beard. I think she thinks something's living in there somewhere, and she's looking for it. She's grabbing it today, just grabbing it, trying to pull it out. <laughs> Most people are not that way when, when troubled times come and deep waters come. We just kind of freak out, man. But the truth of the matter is when things are not your way and when people mistreat you a lot of times, your attitude stinks to high heavens. We all have that problem. Not Joseph. And if so, why don't you come show me where? I'm simply saying I believe that was his greatest trait, and I believe that's why God gave him that much scripture. But a great example of how we're to respond to that, I think that was his most remarkable state and trait. 
Someone has rightly said, the final proof of greatness lies in being able to endure, endure contemptuous treatment without resentment. I'll say that again so you, you'll get it. Someone has rightly said, the final proof of greatness lies in being able to endure contemptuous treatment without resentment. I said, I think maybe Sunday, everybody wants to be a servant because the Bible says a servant is the greatest of all. Let me treat you like one. We'll find out if you're really a servant. And when we're treated like that, we get absolutely mad. And when people treat us wrongly, we want revenge. Folks, listen, please. The man's talking to you is the one who struggles the most on some of this. In this day, we're living in an ugly generation. We're living in an ugly America today. Everybody's stinking mad. So I just joined them. I'm mad with them. But anyway, <laughs> I, everybody's mad. Nobody's happy anymore. Nobody's joyful anymore. Everybody's just absolute. And I'm simply saying that, that Joseph spent much of his life enduring harsh, hateful treatment, and all of it, his attitude was his greatest trait. Now, you need to think about it. And if you don't know his life, you need to study his life. First of all, if anyone had the right to be bitter, it was Joseph. He was hated by his brother, sold into slavery at 17 years old, betrayed by those he, that, that, he, that he thought loved him. He was faithful to God, to Potiphar, and all he got by resisting Potiphar's whorish wife was prison. It was prison. Are you all with me now? And so... He went to prison, filthy, slimy, wicked prison with derelicts. I'm talking about a man that loved God with all of his heart and had a right attitude. And here he is with derelicts that probably needed to be there. And as I read the scripture, I never see one time where he ever said anything negative. I never see where he complained. Man, we complain about everything. I never see that in his life. Maybe that's why God's hand was upon him the way he was. Betrayed again by those that he trusted. Even in prison, he, he interpreted the dream and told the baker and the butler and said, man, don't forget me when you go out, when you get out. Oh, man, I forgot him. That's when he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. Are, are y'all waving tonight? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, everywhere he turned, everybody he trusted betrayed him. He went from the pit to the palace to be the prime minister. Everything, everything that happened to you because of his attitude, because God blessed him and his hand was on him, not against him, everything that happened to him, God exalted him to the top because his attitude was right and he never got bitter. You wonder why we toss and turn, we can't sleep at night and we wring in our hands, we have anxiety, we're having heart attacks and stroke because we're so stinking mad at somebody. Now we won't admit that. God forbid, I mean, if we admit that, we have to admit we're wrong and wicked and maybe sinful, but why would we want to do that, right? Everything that fell Joseph had done by people who hated him and betrayed his trust in them. The only thing Joseph ever did was right. Think about that for a minute. I just told you, in 150 different particulars, he's like Jesus Christ. So all he's ever done was right. From a psychiatry standpoint, if there's anybody should have been bitter, he had every reason to be better. Folks, are y'all with me tonight? If, when I told you everything that happened to him, wouldn't you say, man, that guy, sure. If that happened to me, bless God. I want some brothers, I would want some brothers' necks around my fingers right now. Of course, you Texan, you pack, you shoot them. 
But I'm just simply saying his brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Potiphar jailed him. By the way, could I say this? It's just my opinion. Not, I can't prove it scripturally. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. He was over the military. Do you understand that he, right? He could have had that dude killed anytime he wanted. Could have had Joseph killed at any time. I personally believe, it's my personal opinion, that when his wife accused him, she grabbed this coat. He left this coat behind. She kept saying, lay with me. He said, I can't do that. Your husband has given me everything in his house. He's given me everything except you. How could I do this to my Lord? Left his coat. He lost his coat but kept his character. He did the right thing. And then she turned around and said he tried to rape me. I personally believe that Potiphar had heard that story before. That's what I'm thinking. Because he would have had him killed. God had other plans, did he not? And when you do the right thing, God always has other plans for you. you know, and then he was falsely accused, of course, by, by the wife. And then even God seemingly forsaken him. I preached on that Sunday, did I not? When God stopped speaking and he answered her not a word. It didn't seem like, now think about this for a moment, that everything that he faced, it even seemed like God was forsaking him in all of these hardships. Could I say this to you, that when you're navigating through life, that just life itself will bring enough hardships and, and heartache that really we don't need it from anybody else? We don't need the natural stuff. that It's just natural. Life just will throw curveballs at you every now and again. Who would ever think that some of you in this room within 12 months will come back from a doctor with a diagnosis that's going to rock your world? Uh, that's enough. But man, when you have people that love you going against you, that's a tough thing, man. That's a, that's a tough situation. And when you're going through that, like I said Sunday, you want God to lead you through that, take you by the hand. Y'all sung about that. It, it's good when the Lord is navigating for me and I got him by the hand. He's taking me through the hard times. But I don't see necessarily where that's happening except everything Joseph was put into before it was over with, he began running. Can you imagine being thrown in prison and you're a prisoner and yet nothing in that prison ever went down that you didn't approve? Read your Bible. Everything that went on in that prison, he's the one was the doer of it. Think about that for a minute. It just astounds me that in every situation, even when it seemed like God had forsaken him, God was still in the shadows working. So when you feel that God is not with you and People are abusing you or doing wrong. He's right there. Many, many years ago, I was in Detroit. Dr. Roloff used to have a ministry right down here, many of you know of. And, and I was a freshman in college, I remember. He, and I went to hear him, and he said, I know you. He said, I heard your name. I, don't, I, I was shocked. I, was, I almost fainted. I said, what? He said, you're that commercial fisherman out of Louisiana. He said, you need to come and teach my men how to fish down there, catch in speckled trout, and feed, feed my homes, the, the, the people in the home. I, I said, oh, Dr. Roloff, I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm at, I'm at college at, at House Anderson, and Brother House wasn't pretty. Oh, he said, I'll teach you everything you need. No, you don't need to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! But he said, when you can't 
track God, you can always trust Him. And that's the only thing I can think that maybe Joseph did. He couldn't track him because all this stuff was happening. Joseph was wanting to think about this for a minute. Because see, this would happen even when I got the phone call that my mother had a heart attack. This is what I said, dear God, I'm trying to serve you. I'm doing everything in the world I'm doing. I left my homeland in Louisiana, moved up to the, the to north to be a missionary to these Yankees. And I said, here it is. My mother's going to die and I'm not going to even be there. See, that's the way you feel. Because it seems like God is being unjust to you and you're struggling through some of these times and all I had to do is trust God in it because when you can't track him you got to trust him second thing I want to say is the, the prison pondering look at it please he, he would have stewed in the juices of his bitterness with a long stay in prison but he didn't do that he was smart enough to know that bitterness is like burning a match it only burns the one that's holding it and because of his good attitude, he ended up running the entire institution. And when his brothers came to Egypt for grain, I read it this morning. It's hard for me to read that without weeping. It was a perfect opportunity for revenge. Folks, please, please take your halos off tonight. You can't fool this preacher. Pastor, 40 years, every stinking one of us in this room will want to kill them dudes. I'm a better Christian than that. Ah, your phone is what you are. You'd want to kill him. Don't you tell me. You don't understand your flesh. And if they'd done that to you, you can make that statement because you're not in that, that situation. But if you're in that situation, you want to kill him, dudes. He had all power at him. Are y'all with me? Pharaoh was over everything. And he said, Joseph, you have everything except the throne. I read it this morning. What a great time for him to get vengeance on those stinking, slimy brothers that caused him to go through so, such heartache. No. No, he's not into that. I'm simply saying that when his brothers came to Egypt, what a perfect time. If you seek vengeance, folks, you need to dig two graves. Trust me. That's why the Bible says avenge not. And when that bitterness comes... It'll spill over on everybody. That precious little girl you have. Trust me, when this boy comes, he ain't going to be the same, all right? You're gonna put a, you need to put a shock collar on him with like them dogs. <laughs> right, right. Why would you want to spill over on her? That's right. Help us. Why would you want to ever get better than that spill over on her? Sure, it happens all the time. Preachers crazy. And, and you end up with children with their hands crossed, their arms crossed, can't stinking wait to graduate from, from their Christian school so they can flip that tassel and walk straight out in the will of God and do the most vile things in the world. You know, Christian, you know, the world's kind of, they slip into things, but Christian kids, they dive into stuff they don't even know. Why would you want bitterness to spill over? Preacher, why would you want that in your church to spill over in your church? Because pre preachers get better all the time. I dealt with several. I've had some come to a ministry that had to get healed before we put them out in the ministry because they were so bitter and mean toward their people because they were wronged by their people. And you're going to be wronged. You're going to be wronged by some of your church members. Folks, please, I've been trying to help you as a pastor. I wouldn't come to this church for anybody in this church. 
I'm coming to this church because my Lord sent me here. And if the Holy Ghost of God told you to join the church, he's not so sneaking confused that he changes his mind every six months just because the preacher nailing your hide to the back of that. Because if he preaches it right, he's going to rub you the wrong way every now and again. Let me tell you what the book says, for the offense of the gospel. So when the gospel is preached, you're going to offend people because people don't. They think they got another way there. You're going to have to be careful of that. And sometimes people are going to criticize your food. I love your, I love your soups. Just ship them to me, okay? Um, and you, I, I had, yeah, her. I had to get her to teach her how to do the bulgogi with a venison. Good stuff. And people are going to leave you and forsake you for their sons and come <laughs> So my point being is I don't come here for you. I come for him. I want to say something else. I really don't come for the pastor, although he makes a big difference. Does he not? You got you to respect and love your pastor. You got to do that. But I come for the Lord. And I'm simply saying, if I don't come for you, it's hard for you to run me off. And no matter what you ever do, man, okay, that's fine with me. I, I preached in a church a couple weeks before last, I think. And they had a, a member there. I think they're 90-something years old. They've been there since the inception of the church. <laughs> and they were young kids when they joined. I looked at them and I said, I'll take a church house full of you all day long. Planted. Never left that church. Planted. I got to thinking. Remember, Kim, I told him, I said, if those folks were members of that church that many, don't you understand how many times they were offended by somebody? About the preacher? Ain't gonna leave. I ain't leaving this place. This is what God sent me. The Holy Ghost is not that confused when you're jumping ship all the time. You know, these people, these church hoppers, preachers, they're like, you know, stray dogs. They just want somebody, a stray dog just wants somebody to pet them on the head. And, and if, you, if they don't, they'll go somewhere else and get, as long as they get petted, right? Amen, preacher. He had power to kill them, but yet he didn't have vengeance. Abraham Lincoln said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. And he had it. Have y'all read the story? When his brothers came and the things he did just because he, he wanted to show them and he wanted them to come back and how he wanted to get his younger brother Benjamin there and how he wanted to get dad there. But man, Joseph didn't destroy his abusers. He blessed them. Some fights are just not worth getting into. Do you understand that you can, you know, there's some fights you can win, but you just, they're not worth fighting. I mean, a, a pit bull can beat a skunk, but is it worth it? Like, so you need to pick your fights, right? Few, few ever recognized that Joseph went through. Fewer still had the power for vengeance, but didn't use it. And that's what I tried to say a while ago. If I would have had that power, I would have took out vengeance on my brothers like that. that they did what they did. Are you with it? They were going to kill him. But then one of the brothers said, no, let's not do that. Why kill him? He's worth something. Let's sell him, sell him to slavery. They lied to their father. What a, what a mess, man. And, and, of course, they didn't understand what happened to him after that. But look what happened to him after that guy was, I mean, he just, every time he turned around, he was getting sucker punched. And yet I never read anywhere we complain. Belly ate, cried in his cereal, or his beer, like some of you Southerners do. I'm simply saying that it's amazing 
that he lived without resentment. Preacher, it would be a great thing if we had a church that just lived that way and had an attitude toward each other, just live without resentment. Here, let me tell you something, son. I, I've been in this long enough to know that there, we don't, I don't G-haul with everybody in my church. I mean, I was a pastor. I had to love them all. I just didn't like all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's being honest. L listen, you might be here and you might be a, like a computer geek. God bless you, man, because I need your help. If you show me where the on and off button is, I'll appreciate it. That's about all I know. I don't want to talk about your stinking geek stuff. So you just say, well, call me whatever you want, man. If you want to talk about killing something, we can talk. We, you go to my college, we've got, what, 300 mounted animals in there. There's some things I like to do, right? If you want to golf, you look like a golfer. I don't know why, man. Say, he is. See, I, I nail him. See, see, the Holy Ghost said that. See, what a waste of time, lady. Your husband is wasting his time. You can't cook them things, and they don't even, they don't even cut the grass while I hit them. And the college has, right? We, we raise money for the college. So I'm up there. I mean, and, uh, you know, they go in the golf cart. I need a boat because if there's water, my ball's going in that water, right? <laughs> and so it hit down by the water, man. I went down there, you know, and I'm mad, right? I get mad because, I mean, like, I want to be good at what I do, and I just can't perfect that game, and, and you can't either, by the way. And so I went down by the water, <clears throat> and I went, oh, my God goodness. And he said, what do you see, preacher? You got your ball? I said, man, I'm seeing stinking bullfrogs that big around. In there. <laughs> so I know the owner, he and I hunt together some, and he owns, I think, three or four country clubs, a buddy of mine, and just a basic guy, good guy. And I told him, I said, man, I didn't know you had them big frogs. When did you tell me them big, big frogs in that pond? He said, are you a frogger? I said, I'm a Cajun, son. <laughs> Cajun to eat anything that won't eat them first, right? So he told, he told Kim and I, he said, he, he, he hugged me. He said, man, I hadn't seen you a while. We'll leave a card out for you tonight. We're closing down. Leave a card out. You can go. You got to get the picture. Kim and I, after dark, it's a bit chilly. She's got a hoodie on, a black hoodie. I got a hoodie on. I got this big pole with this, you know, and she's got this bag over her back. No. And we're going through a golfing community with million-dollar homes. I got to think it. I told her, I said, we're going to get arrested, get thrown in jail. We'll never make it out of here. And, man, we went to the first pond where I saw him at first, man, and we started, man. We started. And uh, <laughs> so we went to a back pond, and she said, do you hear him? And we end up at a back pond. Buddy, when I, when I shined that light out, it was like Christmas time, man. I said... <laughs> So we started, man. And all of a sudden, she's got this, this bag, like a, uh, a clothes bag with holes all in it. And she says, I can't, I can't carry it anymore. And I go, man, I knew I should have married one of them big Iowa women with muscles. <laughs> pack, pack, my, pack my frog bag, right? So I go help her. I'm helping her now. I'm thinking, what in the world? So finally, I, I said, one more, that's it. One more we're going to do. And we got a big one. She filmed it. <laughs> Huge, big, big. I stuck her in a bag. I said, we're done. I said, we got to get out of here. It's late. And so I handed her the, the, the gig, and I grabbed the sack, and I went, oh, my God. 
And I went, I said, what did we do? She said, we smashed them tonight. <laughs> so I'm going out, blood running down my back, and I'm going out. You know what she had the audacity to say? You didn't let me gig one of them. <laughs> I'm telling you, she's bloodthirsty, brother. She is. Crazy stuff, man. How did I get on that story? But anyway. Put away bitterness. She, she was bitter. She was bitter because I didn't let her kick any fall. Uh, we will give invitation, brother. You can't hit that altar. But, but can't cook them little things, right? He lived without resentment. As long as you're in a church like this, there's going to be people to rub you. And I was just talking about, you know, I'm a hunter. And so there's interest, right? You normally, you normally gravitate to those. The music folks are going to gravitate to the music folks. And, you know, the hunters, the hunters, the fishermen, the fishermen, and whatever you do, right? But because of that, at times there's going to be conflict. Preacher, in the nursery especially, you know, little fungus bit. Little Susie. I don't know if you know this, folks, or not, but in nurseries, children do that, and you did too when you were a little bitty. But when people will leave a, leave a church because a little bitty child in the nursery did something that children do, you're crazy. And then you get mad at the parent. Well, they ought to teach a little. <laughs> we didn't teach you, man. Kids, kids teething, man. He needs something to chew on, you know? <laughs> So, so what are we to put away? What are we to put away? I, I got I to hasten. What are we to put away? Number one, could it be the betrayal of, of a spouse, a wife, or a husband that cheated on you? You don't have to, you don't have to respond, folks. And you don't, I, I mean, I, I passed it long enough. There are folks in this room right now. You have been betrayed. Your spouse cheated on you. If you're not careful, you're going to bring it into the church, that bitterness. But let me tell you what you normally do if you have a second marriage. You normally bring it in the second marriage. And what happens, preacher, this is what will happen on the second marriages when they, they get bitterness and they get a divorce or whatever. This is what they do. They marry again, and she'll say, you're just like my first husband. Or you'll say, you're just like my first wife. And it had, they're totally different people. But you're the same. Well, amen, preacher, amen. And you're the one brought it into the relationship, and that's why it seems like it's the same, because it's a bitter thing. That bitterness comes in. And so what, I, what I'm saying, folks, is, man, you got to put that stuff away somewhere, somehow. you got to get through that, and for Christ's sake, to think what I was before salvation. And he forgave me of all of that stuff. I put my shoulder to the plow. I don't look back. I already know I don't have to look back. And I dead sure don't want to go back. But he forgave me of all of that. Why could I not forgive you? Because he forgave me. For God's sake. For Christ's sake. Why couldn't I forgive you? I could go into some personal situation right now I don't want to go into. But I'm telling you right now. There's a situation I could tell you about, right? I promise you'd come up to me and say, Preacher, you ought to go shoot the guy. Can't do it, man. Just can't do it. Life is too important to me, and I'm 70 years old. I'm on overtime now for a few days. According to the book, right? 
And I don't want to live the rest of my life with embitterment toward the individual. I got rid of that thing immediately when it happens. And you got to deal with stuff quickly. It could be a best friend that gossiped about you and wrote you off. Are y'all with me today? There's suicides all day long because these teenagers are bullying each other. And these kids are killing themselves because of some friend betrayed them and gossiped of them. That's what I'm trying to say. If you think I'm just blowing smoke when I talked about the internet and phones and how it's changed our churches. Our kids are worried to death what people think about them and you ain't going to never serve God if you're worried about your stinking reputation, what people think about you. Never serve God. When preachers always worried about that, that listen, listen, when, when you want to help people, you tell them what they need. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. And so you got to forget all that and just preach it straight and let people come to the truth. I'm just, a best friend wrote you off. I told somebody today that a dear trusted individual just absolutely wrote me the ugliest letter in the world and sent a diploma back to me. That's, I mean, that's like, and twisted. Because I took him when they ran him out of a country on a mission field because his kids were not worth the powder blowing the kingdom come. And I took his whole family, put that thing back together, working with them daily, and brought him to a position of respect. And all of a sudden, how does that happen? It's what I told you before. Those you love the most will hurt you the worst. You have to get over that. Why don't you go ahead and put on some big boy britches? I, you ladies, sometimes you're more masculine than some of the men that I'm pastoring today and going around preaching. Don't freeze up on me, bless God. I know what I'm talking about. We, we have raised a generation of feminine men that's wearing their feelings on their shoulder. God help us. If this church needs anything, it needs men to stand up. I mean, all the men here to stand up and be men and make sure your wife is following you and not leading you. Uh, could it be a Christian partner, a Christian business partner who ripped you off? That happens quite often. Someone who you led to Christ is now having nothing to do with you. If you've been wronged, that's what life happens, but your life is not ruined unless you get bitter. Because everybody in this room at some point in time, I look at these, these two by squirts here, some of these young boys. They're such good boys. If they had good dads, it might turn out right. But anyway... <laughs> And they're in pretty innocent right now, but boys, they're going to get in the life and in the business and the stuff, and man, things are going to be hitting them. And if they're not careful, they and you can't do that. And that's why I love athletics, and that's why I play ball and all. I could take it out on the field, right? And so I like contact sports. I don't like tennis. I don't like table tennis. Everything I participate, blood's got to be flowing somewhere, man. But anyway, <laughs> listen, if you've been wronged, your life has not earned. The devil will cause you to focus on the offender and not on Jesus Christ who never done you wrong. He's never done you wrong. And so you need to get a hold of that. See, the key word is perspective. Seeing it from God's perspective. I preached that Sunday morning, did I not? And when you think someone has damaged your reputation, wrecked your future... And it can't never be fixed. That's just tr simply not true. It's just simply not true. Use these betrayals to let Jesus into the situation where you can see clearly. Let him use the trials to make you a vessel of honor. A vessel of those 
Troubled waters that we heard about last night. Troubled waters. Let, let him bring that in. That, I always pray, dear God, keep me on the wheel, Jeremiah 18. Just keep, keep molding and making that vessel until it's complete for your use. As you struggle being bitter, let this develop your spiritual muscle. I, I think it was Brother Angel said something about the burdens or something. And you ever thought about that? The burden bearing process? Bear your burden, but also bear another's burden? How can, I, how can I carry your burden when I got my own? But the Bible says do that. Okay, so when you, when you, when you care, but this is what we do. Dear God, take this burden from me. Lord, please take this burden. And God said, no, no, I don't need to take the burden from you. You need the burden. Because when you carry the burden, it gives you strength. That's what he's talking about, the strength, holding your hand. It gives you strength. Uh, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm looking for a bodybuilder in this room and... It looks like I'm the only one that does that. But anyway, <laughs> but bodybuilders, my, my, my grandson is, he got a picture of that. I looked at a kid. The kid's got arms this big around him. He's a bodybuilder. And we had some in our church. But a bodybuilder doesn't go to a gym and say, take weight off. They're saying, add weight on. And it strengthens him. So you need to understand, when God puts you in a situation and gives you a burden, he's doing that to strengthen you. Don't ask for it to be removed. Ask for the strength to carry it. And after you do that, and preacher, could I say this to you? That's what will happen to you. You will grow as your people grow. Y'all will grow together. You'll learn how to carry those burdens, strengthen you, and you can carry it better next time and then even heavier burdens and to the point where you can actually stick around for a while. I got to hasten. Let it develop that spiritual muscle. This, this muscle tone will help you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, if anyone understands hurt and rejection and betrayal, Jesus Christ does. Yeah. I'm landing the plane. Just listen, please. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph was promoted to the governorship and ended up saving his dad and his brothers from the famine and life, if you think about it. God has sent me. This is what the book says. God has sent me before you to preserve, to preserve life. There's a reason why God allows you to go through that, and it's not to get bitter. It might be to get better. And it might be to the point where God has something for you in the future. If you can pass that test, he might have something big for you that's going to shock you because God has something big for you. Here it is. I'm through. This is what bitterness will do to you. And if you think it's worth it, go ahead, big boy. Bitterness will grieve the Holy Ghost of God. And you'll end up as I preach on Sunday. God will stop speaking to you. He'll have nothing to do with you. You'll grieve him. I don't care how hard the preacher preaches. I don't care how loud he preaches. I don't care what the, what the, song, the song singers sing. We can enjoy it. You ain't enjoying nothing. Like I said Sunday, like an old bullfrog hanging on to a hanging aid. You know, bless me. Just bless, try to bless me. Can't blast you out of your seat to come down the altar. I'm just simply saying bitterness will grieve the Holy Spirit. Number next, it'll poison your soul. It'll poison your soul. If you doubt what I'm saying, would you please do something with me on tomorrow? Just go around tomorrow, wherever you go, wherever you go shopping or wherever you work, and watch people's faces and just cut up with them a little bit. What? They're bitter. They're bitter about everything. They're bitter about everything. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but the Lord puts people in position to take people down, and we can look at our country and understand just what a stinking mess it's in, but maybe God's doing this for a reason. You ever thought about that? We want the second coming of Jesus Christ. We just don't want the things that surround the second coming of Christ. Say. We want it 70 degrees, easy chair with a remote control in our hands. And that's just not the way it's going to be. Oswald Chambers was accused of immorality with a young lady. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Some preachers do for sure. He wrote some of the deepest books that I've ever read. Am I right, preacher? You know that. My utmost for his highest. He was trying to, he was a single young man. That's why I think you, you need to be married before you pastor because you can be accused. That's what happened to me when my first wife died. I was just one. I had an old man call me, Dr. Don Green called me. Um, uh, my uh, 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 Angel's wife's daddy called me, uh, and then my daddy called me. There's, all these men are over 80 years old. And uh, Dr. Green says, uh, he, uh, or uh, my dad is, uh, or uh, Brother Angel's wife's dad said, I saw you at graduation, Brother Gomez, you need to get married. You need to get married. That ministry's too big. You, you, need, a, you need a wife. I said, okay. Then Don Green called me. Well, Brother Gomez, I love you. He said, you can only marry a virgin or ex-preacher's wife. I said, well, I, okay. I said, I, I, know, I know some ex-preacher's wives. I said, some preacher's wives are just absolute jewels, but they're still married. The guy's still living. I said, but I know other preacher's wives, the only time they use a broom was for transportation. <laughs> so I said, we ain't doing that. And I said, then you talk about a virgin. I said, I've not seen a 56-year-old virgin. And the only thing I want to know is, you know, how much she weighs and does she have all her teeth, right? I mean, that's what I'm asking. So then my daddy calls, my daddy calls, and I, and I told him what these two 80-year-old men said. He said, son, forget it. Just go get your wife, boy. <laughs> he told me a good thing. It's dangerous to be single in the ministry. Also, Chambers was, and he tried to help a young lady that was needing help, and he counseled her, and she turned it on him and accused him. And the men believed it. And they booted him. And he just went away. Had a big ministry, pretty good big ministry. And he went away, but he refused to let the trials define him. He refused to get bitter. And he began to write some of the deepest spiritual things that you can read if you'll get a hold of some of these books. And you can't do that when you're guilty of what he was accused of. And he finally died. Never, never, never got back into ministry. Just wrote those books, of which many preachers, all preachers that worth anything, has his bunch of copies of his books. And when he died, the woman came forth and said, "None of it, none of it was true." You see, folks, he could have got bitter and just absolutely walked away from Christianity and done nothing for God. And yet now, all across the world, not just America, across the world, people are reading what that man wrote with his own hands. That's absolutely still helping people forever. Could I say this? You, God, God wants every one of you. And he wants to use every one of you. But he'll not use you if you have that stuff in your heart. And I ask God today, dear Lord, would you help me?
Please help me be like Joseph. Because I'm so much not like him. When was the last time somebody came to you and accused, man, you remind me of Jesus. I feel if we met Joseph, we could say, you remind me of Jesus. I just want to end my life with a smile on my face. And when they put me in that box, I want to know that I died in peace, not in anguish, and not with bitterness. And I've been there before with individuals that died so bitter it was scary. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.